too. So I hit like the like the peak of my eating in Pennsylvania. I, I literally actually so I lost some weight right at the beginning. Um, but I actually ended up gaining it back by the time I got like through Pennsylvania because that stretch of the Appalachian Trail has a very or what's the best way to put this? It's very accessible. Town is very accessible, yeah. That's what I was trying to say there. There's a lot of towns and you could almost go into town every single day if you wanted to. In fact, there's a stretch in Pennsylvania where it worked out very well that I was on this stretch of trail at the time because the rain was really, really bad through there. There was some Welcome to the Hiking Through Podcast. I'm Erin Egan, and this is the podcast where I talk to experienced thru-hikers about their adventures on the trail and strategies for successfully completing a thru-hike. Today's guest is Narnar, known off-trail as Kyle O'Grady. Forced into a late start on the Appalachian Trail in 2018, we talk about the pressure to do the mileage and keep to a schedule. With a side trip for a little instant coffee jones and hammocking on the AT, Coming off the trail, he started the Trail Tales podcast to stay connected to the trail community. You can find this episode and all previous episodes at hiking-through.com, where you can also find show notes, photos, and links for any gear mentioned in this podcast. You can also listen to us on Apple Podcast and all the other podcast places. Enjoy my conversation with Narnar. How's it going? Hey, Kyle. How's it? It's good. Should I turn my uh, video on here too? Let's see. If I don't even. I, I. I don't even know if this webcam works. It does. It does work. I'm, I'm kind of a. Sh- I'm kind of a shadow, but that's okay. <laughs> it's a. Uh, it's mood lighting. That's right. That's right. Let me bring you onto my other monitor, so I'm not like looking. I guess. I guess it doesn't really matter because it's a podcast. But <laughs> well, I guess right. my microphone's in the way anyway. So. No worries. Nice setup you got there. Yeah. So basically, I bought this. Really, honestly, I don't even know the brand or anything. Um, let's see if it. I, I just got it off of Amazon, and I bought it a couple of years ago because I like to play guitar and sing really badly, and <laughs> I, I bought it for that reason. And I bought the audio interface for that reason too. And then I didn't really use it for that very much, but um, I it just kind of like lended itself to the podcast, obviously. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I'd like to upgrade eventually, but you know, baby steps, baby steps. Yeah. And and the audio sounds pretty damn good, so I don't know how much you need to upgrade. Yeah, I you know it's it's not bad, really. It's not bad. My editing skills could probably get a little bit better, but ah. you know. <laughs> I, I haven't really had any listeners complain about the audio quality yet. So there you go. I guess uh, I guess it works. And for the for the people listening, uh, tell us a little bit about what the podcast is, or or what you use this audio this beautiful audio equipment for. <laughs> Yeah, so I do this little podcast called Trail Tales. It's actually very similar to Hiking Through. In fact, I've even had a couple of my listeners say that they really like your podcast as well. That's kind of how I found out about it, honestly. So Mm. it's very similar. It's just me. I uh, interview just other hikers. And I'm not sure if you – I mean, it's called Hiking Through. So I'm not sure if you like just stick to through hikers. But I do a lot of through hikers. And I've also tried to kind of branch out to like some other – kinds of hikers like i've had a couple peak baggers 
I've had at least one ultra runner. I'd like to get some more in the future. And, you know, just kind of encompassing all sorts of hiking nerds like myself, I guess. And, you know, that's, it's, but I mean, that's pretty much it. It's called Trail Tales. Uh, you can find it on all the, all the same apps and, and platforms that hiking th- through is on, I'm sure. And all the uh, usual it's a lot places. of fun. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's funny. I, I, in researching, to, to talk to you, I was looking up your podcast and listening to some episodes and, and realized that you've been around just a little bit longer than I have. It's, it's kind of funny. We're sort of mirroring each other. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty <laughs> much. Pretty much. I started in, um, well, I, I started actually recording my, or yeah, yeah like kind of getting my first mm-hmm. couple guests and kind of getting my, my stuff together, I guess. Um, right after I finished my Appalachian Trail through hike, which was beginning of October 2018. And then I think I launched my first couple episodes like a month, around a month later. So like I think November 6th is when I put up my first couple episodes. And then I try to do one a week. I've missed two weeks so far. And one was intentional because it was Christmas. And I was like, mm-hmm. yeah. And then the other one, I, I just I kind of dropped the ball. But for overall, like pretty, pretty good. I mean, one a week. So I, I think I'm on this upcoming week will be episode number 27. So not bad, not bad. Half a year. Yeah, it goes by quickly. It does. It does. Especially when you're just, I mean, I'm not sure how you do yours, whether or not you like do your recordings in like bulk and then release them over time. But I do all mine pretty much like the week before it comes out. So like, I'm just constantly like trying to find like somebody to come on or, or trying to convince somebody to come on or set up a time and all that stuff. And then doing the editing like a night before it gets out. But like (laughs) I said, I've managed to, I've pretty much managed to always get them out. Um, I did have a, I think two times I put them out a day late to mm-hmm. one of the times was because I scheduled it. I don't know what uh, podcast hosts you use, but on Podbean, I'm, I'm sure you can do this with all of them. You can like schedule it. So mm-hmm. like I wanted to come out on X date at X time and I accidentally scheduled it for a day later than I was supposed to because ah. I was hiking. So fortunately yeah. I didn't realize until after I got back. Cause if I'd seen that it wasn't out on time when I was actually on the trail, I would have been like, Oh no, something's going on. But like, I can't fix it. Cause I'm in the middle of the woods right now, but no, it worked out. It worked out. Yeah. Now, I, even though you were in the middle of the woods, the woods seem to be really well connected these days. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I was in, um, let's see, I was hiking the foothills trail. This is actually just, uh, uh, two weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit less than two weeks ago, a uh, week before last week and i i honestly I, I really wasn't checking my phone that much but a couple times i did have service on that trail it's, it's a pretty short trail about uh 77 miles and i think verizon probably has better coverage than at&t does i know that's definitely the case for the appalachian trail because i have at&t and it wasn't great in some spots but i mean it's it's it is pretty well connected usually I, i'd say on my at through hike uh, maybe with the exception of the hundred mile wilderness, there pretty much was never a spot on the trail where I couldn't find service like at least once in a day. Like if I absolutely had to, you know, did you find that getting in the way of the experience of the through hike? I mean, cause you see people checking social media and you see people checking this and checking that. Um, and you get so connected to your phone, even when you're supposed to be out there in the middle of nowhere. Mm hmm. Yeah, you know, I I personally didn't honestly, because um, like I said, it's not like you can be on your phone all day if you want to, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm I'm 23, so I pretty much my whole childhood and adult <laughs> life, you know, not my early childhood, but I think I got my yeah. first cell phone when I was in like 
eighth grade or something. I threw a fit and my parents finally caved in. But I've had one for like most of my life, I guess is what I'm trying mm-hmm. to say here. And I found that obviously on the trail, I was on my phone way less than I am normally. And so, I mean, I, I, I don't think it really, I don't think it really had a negative effect on anything. Um, if anything, it kind of made me appreciate like being connected even more because it was like, it was always like a treat, almost like when you get into town, you finally get to your hotel room or your hostel or whatever. And then you get to finally just sit down and sift through like the tons of notifications you have, or if you're me, the, the tens of notifications you had and, <laughs> and, <laughs> and just look through Instagram and, and kind of catch up to people, catch up with people. So I kind of, I, I feel like if anything, it, it, it just kind of made me appreciate it more, I guess. And like, it, it kind of became more of a novelty. Although I will say that as soon as I got off the trail, like within like a couple days, it kind of worn off already. I was already just used to being in my phone way too much, but I don't know. <laughs> have it returned I, with a vengeance. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Did you find yourself using it to keep in contact with hikers that you were meeting along the way or that, that you wanted to reconnect with? You know, that's a, that's a good question. So let's see. Um I, I can think of at least one scenario like just like that where I had hiked with a guy around Pennsylvania. Is that when I met Pac-Man? Shout out to Pac-Man. Um, and then I kind of got ahead of him a little bit. And then I kind of used – it was Instagram actually because I, I don't think I ever swapped phone numbers with anybody. But um, we had kind of followed each other on Instagram and he had – like I said, he had fallen behind. And at one point right, right towards the end of my hike – um, you know, almost almost through Maine. It was right before the hundred mile wilderness. We did kind of reconnect on Instagram a little bit, and I was able to find out that he was actually kind of in the area, and he had caught up a little bit. And you know, we we didn't really like make any concrete plans to like meet up, but we did end up uh, kind of reconnecting towards the end of the hike. So that was cool. Um, I'm trying to think with uh, most of the people that I actually hiked with. I honestly, I feel like some of them might remember, but I really don't remember if we uh, actually exchanged our information before, you know, while we were still on the trail. Um, we certainly have since obviously stay in touch now, but you know, um, I'm not really sure. I I can definitely think of other times where, um, other hikers would, you know, do that, like get the cell phone number of, of, of each other and kind of stay in touch and be able to kind of link back up if, if they wanted to do that and, and, and yeah, just kind of do that. So, I don't know. Cell phones on the trailer. There's such an interesting topic because like there's some people that are like, oh, I'm totally against any sort of technology on the trail. And I remember in a lot of the guidebooks I've read for trails, like I think the long trail guidebook comes to mind right now. It even says that using your phone around other people could be considered rude. And I I, I, I remember I talked about this on one of my episodes one time. It's like I kind of feel like that has gone out the window a little bit. I mean, maybe if you're like just yapping away in the middle of a shelter, then mm-hmm. then that might be rude, obviously. But I mean, I don't think there's, it's really that much. I don't think it's really considered rude around most people anymore, honestly, especially with, um, I mean, gut hook, that's a whole nother, that's yeah. a whole nother big part of it. And I didn't use gut hook on my AT hike, but you know, a ton of people did. And you know, that, that definitely increases the screen time when you're on the trail. But I don't know. I, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing as long as you're not just overdoing it, I guess. Yeah. Did you have a lot of people in the shelters with you and what have you that were actually having phone conversations or just 
text message um, or email or Instagram, yeah, or, you know, that kind of I, thing. I don't know. I, I don't think that I don't recall that ever happening. Or at least I certainly don't remember ever being like annoyed with anybody for doing it. So, mm-hmm. you know, may, maybe like one of my friends one or two times would just like, call their parents or something. But I, I don't I don't think that's an issue now. Right. It's not like somebody is yapping away at, in the corner no, having a, I mean, a conversation. About no, I, I mean, I'm sure it's God happened, but is it like yeah. a regular occurrence? I, I don't think so. Yeah. When when you went out there, did you go out there with some friends? I'm trying to remember what what you had said no. in the episodes. But. No, no. So I started solo and I hiked solo for the first eight miles up the approach trail. And then from then on, I pretty much hiked with people all the way to, to Maine. So I actually met a guy named uh, Mikey Brinkus, Mullet Mike, shout out to Mullet, <laughs> uh, on top of Springer, our very first night. We both started on May 14th, 2018. And we hiked together, you know, it was spare a couple days, maybe when he took like an extra zero or I was meeting up with a friend or something like that. You know, we pretty much hiked together all the way from Springer to Grafton Notch in uh, southern Maine. And unfortunately, he had to uh, kind of fall behind there because he got sick. But um, even after that, we'd already kind of started hiking with uh, a few other guys at that point. So I started solo, but was pretty much hiking with other people the entire time, which was a lot of fun. I mean, that's one of the most fun parts of hiking a trail like the AT or the PCT, I'm assuming as well, where there's just like a ton of people on it because you can just like form the little the little trail groups and and the trail families and stuff, which is definitely pretty awesome because I've hiked a lot of other smaller trails like that where you just don't have a, the time or B the, like the amount of other people for that to happen. So I really enjoyed that for sure. Do you feel like you had a, a trail family outside of him and that other, the other people? So I guess were you traveling in sort of a, a larger group, a bubble? Yeah. Um, so it it was it was a little bit weird for me because I started pretty late. I mean, most yeah. people that through hike the AT are starting these days in like March or April. And like I said, I started in mid May. So for the first say month and a half of my through hike, I definitely was not in a bubble. Um, pretty much the only sort of like yeah, pretty much the only other person I hiked with uh, all the way through Harper's Ferry was mullet mike like i said Mm -hmm. um after that i did kind of start to catch up to like the tail end of the bubble um you know just was was seeing a lot more through hikers at that point and i our group kind of picked up like two other people um this guy named indy and this guy named flossie and we also had another guy towards the end named classic that was hiking with us as well but usually it was like four people and no more than that. And there was always a couple other kind of groups that were around us and, mm-hmm. and you know, other like little bubbles of people. But I, I, I never really experienced like the, the the thing I always hear, like the horror stories about just like showing up to a shelter and there's like 30 tents set up yeah. and, and, and anything like that. Thankfully, I'm glad I didn't experience that because that might have been a little overwhelming. But uh, I believe that is a thing, especially uh, like I said, for those that are starting at the very beginning in like uh, March or April when everybody else is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hear a lot of those stories, um, which I'm sure you do probably too, where it becomes really, really crowded really quickly. And then if you have issues with people deciding not to move on, they've sort of pre-taken their slot for the night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 And I found sometimes with the uh, 
the hostels too. That was like one of the biggest things. Cause I mean, when you're, when you're on the trail and like a, a campsites, like getting full. And again, I, like I, I just said a minute ago, I didn't experience this very often, but I could definitely see, see it being an issue because yeah, like I said, on, in the campsites, it's like, you can always just hike on and find another campsite if you absolutely have to. Right. But when you're going into town and trying to stay at a hostel, if the hostel is full, and there's nowhere else to stay. You're kind of shit out of luck, you know. I mean, yeah. you're you're not like you're not like totally screwed. Like you can always just go back to the trail, or you know, you'll be able to figure something out. But it is a little bit more of an issue than um, I don't know. But, but then again, maybe with the bigger crowds and, and and the more people that are setting off on these through hikes, maybe that will just kind of open up the opportunity for more hostels to open and, and more businesses to kind of start catering to the hikers. So I, I don't think it's necessarily like all a bad thing, you know. Yeah. Though most of the hikers that I've talked to are poor hikers, so they're <laughs> maximizing their value, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I would say I was probably in that same boat. Maybe not. <laughs> maybe maybe not like pinching every single penny, but yeah, yeah. You gotta you gotta be you gotta be on a budget out there. And and thankfully, it's not super difficult because you're just like in the woods most of the time. It's like where are you gonna spend money when you're like in the middle of the woods? You know. Right. Did you find yourself getting sucked into towns and and staying there for a while? Or were you pretty good about going into towns, doing your thing, and then heading out the next day or doing a Nero or something like that? So I was pretty good about doing that. And and I'm not – and the reason isn't because, like, I am, like, some person with, like, really good discipline or anything like that. <laughs> the reason <laughs> The reason is literally because I just didn't have time to do that, honestly. Uh, just starting so late, especially for the first half of my hike. I'm pretty sure I, – I wish I knew off the top of my head, but I think I want to say I only took six zeros the first half of the trail. And I, I – that doesn't mean I only stayed in town six times. I, I stayed in town a lot more than that. But like you said a second ago, the Neros were definitely mm-hmm. huge. You know, just hike, you know, 10 – 11, 12, whatever miles in the morning and then rest up in town for the afternoon and the evening and then just get back out there the next day. And that that is like a good way to kind of keep your pace and definitely a good way to save money, obviously, just because you're not in town as much. So, yeah, yeah. that was I, I, I did that mostly because I, I guess I shouldn't say mostly because I honestly I don't know how I would have done it if I had more time, but I just didn't really have a choice. It was just like, go, go, go pretty much all the time. Um, you know, I was constantly like calculating the pace I needed to like make sure I finished by October 15th. And, you know, maybe I was a little bit obsessive about it sometimes, but it, I mean, it worked out. Like I said, I finished on October 1st. So I had a couple weeks to spare mm-hmm. as well. So I don't know. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't regret it. I, I think it went pretty well. What caused you to start so late for, for the trail? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I was in college still. So on May 12th, 2018, I walked <laughs> across the stage, got my diploma or my, my fake diploma. They don't give you the real one, I guess, but <laughs> yeah. got my fake diploma, took the picture and all that. I went to school uh, at Clarkson University, which is in like way northern New York, like like way up there, almost in Canada, like 20 miles south of the mm-hmm. Canadian border. And then on May 14th, I was on top of Springer. So pretty quick turnaround. I, I wanted to just get down there as soon as I could because I knew I was starting late and I knew that could be a potential issue. So thankfully, my parents are amazing people and they drove <laughs> all the they live in South Carolina. They drove all the way up from South Carolina to Potsdam, New York overnight and they watched me graduate. And then the next day we 
drove all the way back down from Potsdam to uh, to Amicalola Falls State Park. So uh, that that worked out pretty well. But um, yeah, I probably would have started a little bit earlier if I could have. But I just given the circumstances, that just wasn't a possibility, unfortunately. But like I said uh, a few minutes ago, it it still worked out. So no regrets. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like your parents are just a, another example of the support staff at home for everybody who mm-hmm. who does all those things, whether it's sending you resupply boxes or driving you from one point to another, or you know making oh, they, sure that they you're were, cared they for. They were so good to me. They were so good to me, sending me new shoes and all this stuff whenever yeah. I needed like any sort of gear to be. I left them with like a like a backpack full of like stuff I might need, and you know whenever I needed anything out of that backpack, you know they were always. Like super one, one time I even like told my dad like like with not enough time to actually get it to the town I wanted it at. And so he even just like overnighted it or maybe it wasn't overnight, but like express shipped it. Mm-hmm. So like quicker than normal. Like, yeah, my, my parents were amazing. Um, I, I, I definitely don't thank them enough for all the support they gave me on my through hike. So mom and dad, when you hear this, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you, mom and dad and Absolutely. wife and hus- or husband or sister or brother or <laughs> yep, whoever yep. you may be. Absolutely. Did you do resupply boxes or were you just resupplying from the stores in town? Uh, yeah, no, I was just resupply as I go. Um, yeah, I don't, I didn't send, I didn't send a single mail drop the entire way, honestly. I mean, I, I, I'm sure you've heard people say this before, but in my opinion, there's absolutely no reason to do that on the AT. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I think the PCT might be a little bit different. That's one of the questions I asked one of my PCT guests one time. Um, I still think from my understanding, you can buy them like buy food mostly as you go, but on certainly I can speak for the AT, like there's absolutely no reason to do that. And actually, I guess I should clarify if you have some sort of like dietary restriction, then that's different. I'm saying if you have like a, if you're like a normal, like have a normal diet and just eat like the shitty backpacking, (laughs) like North sides and stuff like I do. and, And most people do, um, there's really no reason to do, uh, to do mail drops along the way, at least for food, obviously for gear and stuff. That's a, that's a different story, but yeah. What did your diet look like out there? What were, what My were diet looks like shit. My diet was awful. <laughs> um, yes. That's a given. So I've like, so I've been like doing like the whole backpacking thing for a number of years now. I started when I was like 16. So I've like gone through like phases of like most of like the normal backpacking, mm-hmm. like junk food that people eat. So I kind of like have to, like always be finding new things, but let's see for my through hike. It was, um, you know, this is going to sound so generic. I hate to even say it, but like the honey buns, the pop tarts, mm-hmm. um, instant coffee can't go without instant coffee. Um, what was your instant coffee Jones? You know, just like the, the kind that I would, I yeah. would get, uh, honestly, <laughs> whatever, whatever was available. It's <laughs> like, if I was at Walmart, say, and I had like a choice between like all the different brands, the Taster's Choice stuff is usually my favorite. Like, mm-hmm. not pricey like the Starbucks, but like better than the uh, the Folgers ones. Right. Um, but honestly, like sometimes, like I couldn't even find it in sleeves. Like depending on what uh, town I was in and what grocery store. So like really, sometimes it was just like whatever or just whatever I found in like a hiker box too. Because that that was like I, I usually was like wasn't picking through the hiker boxes too often, but um. The instant coffees were definitely like a hidden gem in some of those hiker boxes. You know, you just like pull out a Ziploc that's got like a couple days worth of coffee in mm-hmm. it. Like you can't, you can't really beat that, you know? <laughs> I have heard so many people wax poetic about coffee and the things that they were willing to give up in order to carry coffee. 
Oh, it's it's essential. It's essential. Um, and, and to go back to your question a second ago about about the food. Um, for lunch, I like. Oh my god, I I can't even like. This is this is so bad to even think about this. I would literally eat potato chips and, and cookies for lunch. Usually, like I'm not even kidding. Every resupply, <laughs> I would get like two bags of potato chips, and I would usually get those Milano cookies. Like you know those mm-hmm. things. Yeah, those things are delicious, honestly. And I would literally just like rifle through that stuff. And then I would have like some protein bars throughout the day as well. And then for dinner, I would usually, yeah, like I said, the north sides, like the the rice and all that stuff. Um, and then I would just load it up with pepperoni and hot sauce. And that's how I was able to kind of stomach that stuff. But and then Nutella, I would also just after every meal, if I was like still hungry, I would just which I usually was. Um, just Nutella, like spoonfuls of Nutella to the face. Like that's, that's the best way to end any day on the trail for sure. <laughs> now why Nutella versus like a peanut butter or some other nut butter or. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. Um, I've heard a couple of people mention it. So I've just. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. I, so in the past on other trips I've done, I would often do peanut butter, like, or Nutella. Like I would kind of do them interchangeably, honestly. And I, I honestly, I just kind of got burnt out on peanut butter. I think my first resupply on the AT, like literally when I started, I had peanut butter and I just like, after that, I was like, oh man, I like, I love peanut butter. I, I literally ate peanut butter for breakfast this morning, but like, I just, with a spoon, I just got so burnt out on it. And I, I just feel like Nutella, it goes down a little bit smoother for me. I don't know, <laughs> but yeah, Nutella over peanut butter, I would say for sure. You're, you're probably not the only one. Like I said, there's a lot of people who mention Nutella on the trail for, and, or and, for the trail specifically. Yeah. And I, I feel like peanut butter would probably be better because it has like the protein and stuff, but mm-hmm. I don't know the crunchy peanut butter. If you're, if you're going to do it, anybody like do if you're gonna do the peanut butter. Oh, for sure. Like I I've made the mistake of trying to just eat creamy peanut butter with a spoon before. And that's it's <laughs> the crunchy makes it a lot easier for sure. Cause at least you have a little more like texture there. It's not just like dryness and I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Were you, did you have a stove or were you cold soaking or some um, variation? I'm stove 100% okay. for sure. Yeah. Like, um, honestly, I had never even like really put that much thought into the whole code cold soaking thing until I, uh, I saw some people doing it on the trail, but no, like a hundred percent stove. Like I need that. Like it's people, some people might say that's like a luxury item or whatever, mm-hmm. but for me, like mentally, it's just one of those things. I mean, especially when it's cold out, but even when it's like, you know, middle of summer, like I, I, I always going to have the stove. Like there's just something that's like so nice about having a hot meal at the end of the day. And, and so a lot of people yeah. will say like, they, they don't like to cook either. Like they don't like the, the work that goes into mm-hmm. cooking, but I always kind of enjoyed it. Like, I mean, I'd probably rather like fire up the stove and like make a, a nice meal at the end of the day and kind of put some time into that and just like sit there and twiddle my thumbs even more, you know, and you go over to the area where everybody's cooking and it's kind of an excuse to socialize and all that stuff. So I never really minded the work too much. Um, cleaning your pot. That's not fun. No one likes to do that. But if that's the price I have to pay to be able to eat like a nice, like rice burrito with a bunch of hot sauce at the end of the day, then, you know, I'll take it. It's not that bad. Yeah. And that was also probably helpful for coffee to have oh, some hot sure. water. and For sure. For sure. I, I have drank those instant coffees without heating the water up before. And like, it's not great. I, I got it down like I was fine. But still, even even on like the really hot days, the really humid days, which there was a lot of 
uh, this summer on the AT, even on those days, I would still always like heat it up in the morning and, and drink it hot. I mean, I don't know. I, I love coffee. Like I, I literally drank probably like three cups at work yesterday. Like I just, um, like a total like coffee nut and take after my dad in that regard. And <laughs> I, I gotta have my hot coffee in the morning. There's, there's no way, there's no way I'm getting anywhere without that. Did you find other ways to get your, your coffee, your coffee Jones, your caffeine in? You know, n- no, it was always coffee. Okay. Um, it, that's honestly like I, I feel like I drink coffee. Like some people will be like, oh, I only drink coffee for the caffeine or whatever. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's kind of like half and half. Like the caffeine, like not gonna like sugarcoat it. Like definitely need the caffeine. But I also just really like the taste of black coffee. So, and coffee with cream and sugar. I just like coffee in general. So, no, I, I never really. I, I think if I couldn't get my hands on coffee, I wouldn't be like so like craving caffeine that I like just would ha- like get something else. Right. I'd probably just not. I'd probably just not okay. have caffeine. But yeah, it's still still prefer it definitely in the coffee. Yeah, <laughs> I, I never did like the any of the packets with it or anything like that. Or I, I didn't do tea either. I'm not crazy about tea. I'm just a hundred percent coffee over here for sure. <laughs> <laughs> You're dedicated to your beverage. Absolutely. Absolutely. What did did a normal day look like for you? Like what time did you get up and? Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) a lot of walking I'd say no. Um, (laughs) staring at people's footprints. Yes, exactly. A lot of trees, some beautiful trees. Um, uh, it, it, it it kind of varied. Like I didn't have like a, a super set schedule, but I was usually, you know, up around say like seven, probably, probably around seven. I, I've never been one to get up like super early. I'm not one of those people that rises at like 4:30 and and hikes five miles before the sun even comes up. You know, I usually up around seven. I would usually try to shoot to get on the trail at eight. If I was on after eight, then I would feel a little bit bad. If I was on a little bit before eight, then you know, great. But usually around eight, I'd say, and then just from there, whole lot of walking. You know, I'd usually try to get in at least half of the day before lunch so i was usually i was i i always would like know where i was going to camp at the end of the day for sure i mean sometimes like you get thrown a curveball and you end up changing your plans but for the most part i would always plan it out i'm not one of those people that would you know just like like a lot of time i would ask people like when i would pass them or or see them on the trail be like oh like where are you staying tonight and they'd be like i don't know wherever i end up and like that is totally not me. Like I always knew, like okay, I'm going to X campsite, or I'm gonna go, you know, make it to this town or whatever. So I would usually know exactly how many miles I was shooting for in a particular day. And like I said, I would try to get half of those miles at least done before lunch, um, just so I don't know. Just honestly, maybe I, I don't even know why. I, that just like felt right to me, and and I feel like I usually, I mean, obviously had the most energy in the morning, so mm-hmm. I would kind of try to cruise then. And then stop for lunch for, say, I don't know, like half an hour to an hour, depending on where I was. Um, you know, that you would usually vary, honestly. Excuse me. And then I would, uh, yeah, just like keep going until I'd say I would usually roll into camp around like 530 or 6. I was I was a pretty fast like hiker as in like not how many miles I was doing necessarily, but just like the actual like speed that I was hiking at, I would usually go at a pretty good clip and just kind of like put my head down sometimes and, and try to get there. And I, I always like to try to have like 
a decent amount of time to kind of unwind at the end of the day at camp. I know a lot of people like to kind of do that sort of unwinding while they're actually hiking. Like if they come to a nice spot and like, that's like good too. And I, I would try to do that, but for some reason, and I've always been like this since I've started uh, backpacking. It's like, if I still have like a lot of miles to go in the back of my head, I feel like I never can really like stop and like fully relax at a place for too, too long just because I'm like in the back of my mind, I'm like, yeah, I, I still have to like keep going and, and try to make it to camp. So I, I would usually get to camp like, yeah, like I said, around five to six with a, a good time to have like enough time to not feel like I have to rush or anything. Certainly not have to do anything in the dark. Um, of course, there's always exceptions, but yeah. uh, I, I was usually pretty disciplined about that. And then just kind of hang out for the rest of the day. I would usually try to keep myself up until it got dark like at least i found that on not on the at but on uh, other trips i've done in the past if i go to bed like too early like before the sun goes down then i have a hard time sleeping because I, I i don't i don't know why honestly but that was always a thing so i would usually like force myself to stay up until i was like really tired until like i knew like for sure that i needed to go to bed and then you know just go to sleep and rinse and repeat every day for again. like a half <laughs> Did it change for you? Because obviously, when you're as you're going north, and also as you're getting later in the season, it's going to start getting dark earlier and earlier, yeah. and that kind of thing. You know, it, yeah that 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 kind of came into play right at the end of my hike. I remember the pretty much the only time I even came close to night hiking, not by like choice. Which I, I actually, honestly, I don't think I ever not on the AT at least. I never like night hiked by choice, but um. Uh, was literally the, the day the day before I finished. So the day I rolled into Baxter State Park um, was like right around dark. And, and at this point, it was the last day of September. So it was probably getting dark around like six o'clock. So mm-hmm. still kind of within that time frame. I, I, w- I was just talking about a second ago. But um, honestly, I don't I don't quite remember what your question was. But I <laughs> did, it imp- did it impact like having, you know, even though you're getting in around still around the same time that you've been getting into camp for the whole summer, all of a sudden you only have an hour before it gets dark versus yeah. four hours. You know, it's yeah. a very different scenario. It, it did impact it a little bit in that towards the very end. So I'm talking like probably only the last like, like three weeks of my hike. Um, at that point you kind of like, couldn't really avoid like doing at least some chores in the dark. Right. So mm-hmm. chances are, if you're not actually going to end up cooking in the dark, you're definitely going to be hanging your bear bag in the dark. But, um, you know, at that point, uh, it, it, it was fine. You know, we, we would still try to stay up, you know, for at least an hour or two after it got dark just to kind of hang around. It wasn't like a because I know when it got dark, um, you know, later on in the day, it was always like once it gets dark, usually everybody's like kind of settled by then and everybody's ready to go to bed. But, you know, we, we wouldn't just obviously just turn in as soon as it got dark once it got dark earlier because you wouldn't like get anything done unless you stopped at like three o'clock so yeah (laughs) i don't know yeah it it definitely impacted it a little bit um but i didn't i didn't really mind it too much honestly It, it really wasn't too big of a deal that being said for someone who doesn't hike as like quick as i do or for when i get older and can't hike as quick as i i like to now you know i could see that maybe being a little bit more of an issue but you know i'll i'll deal with that when the time comes i guess you'll cross that bridge that's right how many miles were you planning on or trying to hike a day all right so let's see um i'm trying to remember the exact numbers (laughs) because 
like I said, I was, I was, I was like crunching the numbers literally from day one because I wanted to make sure I was like on pace to get there before October fifteenth. Because if I wasn't, then I was gonna have to flip flop. And I remember, I think it was Mullet. Mullet Mike will know for sure because we were always doing the math together. But I think it, I had to average fourteen point four to make it in time from the day that I started. I mean. If somebody out there wants to pull up their calculator right now, it was 2,190.9 miles, and I left on May 14th, 2018, and had to finish by October 15th. Excuse me. And so, yeah, I think it was like 14.4 miles. So usually we would shoot for like, I mean, as much as we could at the beginning, it was obviously like less than it was at the end. Mm -hmm. But I mean, you know, that was... Usually it would shoot for like a minimum of 15, I'd probably say. Um, okay. And then once we got once we got our trail legs, we would I, I feel like it, it, there was never like an official like cutoff, but it was usually around 20 for for a good portion of the trail. So probably I, I think I actually no, I remember it was my 20th day. That was my first 20 mile day because I, I just remember that little thing. I was like, oh, it's my 20th 20 day on the trail. My first 20 like let's go but you know i i remember that was the point where we started to kind of really ramp it up like that and then we kind of kept up that like shooting for 20 thing um sometimes more to i think my longest day was a 30 but i only did that one time had a couple like 26s 27s in there um and then by the time we got to the whites as i'm sure you've heard before obviously the terrain gets a lot harder through there yes you could still do 20 mile days like i knew people who did um, I, I probably could have, but we didn't really have to at that point. At that point, we kind of had like taken a little bit of a, a chill pill with, with the mileage and, and accepted that like, okay, we're pro- we don't really have to worry about like making it in time anymore here as long as we just keep up kind of what we've been doing. So we did, we did like chill the mileage a little bit there and, and we're probably only doing like, uh, yeah, probably like more like around 15 through there. I, I'm sure it varied, but, um, yeah. And then through Maine, it was Southern Maine. It was kind of the same thing. Uh, you know, probably like I, I remember actually my hardest day on the whole trail. I'm pretty sure I only did like 14 miles or 15 miles. And that was through um, the Mahusik Notch and up and over uh, Old Spec, the Mahusik Arm. Anybody who's done the AT is going to know exactly what I'm talking about. That's a that's a really hard stretch. And then by the time I got to uh, central to northern Maine, the trail kind of the terrain chills out a little bit and it's, it's a lot flatter. So especially going through the hundred mile wilderness, we, um, I think we did that in like four and a half days. So we were doing over 20 every day through there. So, I mean, it, it kind of varied is what I'm getting at here, but for the most mm-hmm. part, I would say like 20 for most of the trail it was a good, like mileage that we would shoot for. Yeah. And then sometimes more, sometimes less, but yeah, around there. Yeah. And once you probably, once you started doing the twenties and you started accumulating extra mileage, the concern, the worry about October would have to have gone away or, or started to dissipate. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I might've said this earlier. Uh, I can't quite remember because I've said this a lot in my podcast. <laughs> I'm used to saying this when I'm sitting in this seat, talking to this microphone, but um, it wasn't until about Harper's ferry. So halfway that the pressure that I was kind of putting on myself started to like go down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't until then that I really kind of, like accepted that I was like, if, as long as I, you know, stayed healthy and kept doing what I was doing, that I was probably going to make it. Um, certainly for the first couple months, uh, it was something I thought about quite a bit. 
quite a bit and, and talked about with uh, with other people that were in the same boat quite a bit, you know, just constantly. Like I said, every single day checking the mileage to make sure that we're on track and 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 just kind of being a little bit too uh, I don't want to say like stressed out because I don't think it ever like legitimately like stressed me out, but it, it was it was just always in the back of my mind. And and then once I made it halfway and I kind of looked at the numbers and I was like, okay, like I'm I'm doing pretty well here. Like I'm not only like going to make it in time, but I'm going to make it with like a little bit of time to spare. So I, I didn't really slow down after that at all. In fact, I actually picked it up a little bit through Pennsylvania just because the terrain's very easy there. But, um, I, I didn't worry about it. I, I stopped like every single day, like crunching right. the numbers. I stopped like feeling guilty every time I took a zero. I think I took probably like eight or nine zeros in the second half versus like only six, I think on the first half, like I said, so still, still not like a ton of zeros, but you know, I, I, I definitely felt better about it. It wasn't something I was worrying about quite as much for the, for the second half. And it's, it's, I think it's kind of funny. Just, it's kind of just popped into my head now that for some reason that halfway point was like the, I mean, it makes sense. That was like the arbitrary cutoff, but it took that like sort of accomplishment that, that sort of cutoff for me to kind of realize it and have it really settle in that like, okay, you know, chill out, Kyle, you're going to make it. You're going to be okay. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and that's a lot of, low, low energy stress, whatever, just to be walking around with walking with every day. Yeah. And yeah. And like I said, I'm, I I don't want to say I was like really stressed out about it. You know, it was just like, it was just always, it was just always hanging there in the background. Yeah, And I, I think the way it really affected things the most was when I would take zeros or take Nero's because, and like, at least when I was doing a full day, I knew I was like doing everything I could to kind of like, push that mm-hmm. forward right but when i would take a zero and this is stupid because you have to absolutely take zeros in order to like be able to make it all the way you can't just hike without taking any time off you're just gonna yeah. run yourself into the ground or, or maybe somebody can i'm sure i'm sure some people can but i can't at least i feel like most people probably can't so you know but th- that it was just when i was taking like the the shorter days like that that um it was the most like stressful quote Again, mm-hmm. still not really like stressful. I mean, I was on vacation, like when it came down to it, like <laughs> I, I wasn't really trying to get like super stressed out about it, but yeah, it was, it was always in the back of my mind. And, and thankfully, eventually I kind of realized that, okay, you know, I'm, I'm going to make it, I'm going to be okay if I keep this up and, and, you know, some of the, some of the, I, I feel like, again, I feel like stress isn't the best word for it. Some of the, the pressure I feel like might yeah. be a little bit better, um, like in, internal pressure pressure i was putting on myself mm-hmm. kind of started to go away so yeah. it worked out it's so interesting to hear you say all of that because I, I mean essentially for the summer your job was to hike and and you had a certain deadline that you had to meet and and so forth and when you weren't doing that when you when, when you weren't doing your job hiking you were feeling guilty about it i love it <laughs> <laughs> yeah that is kind of funny i guess i don't know i don't know i mean like i said you you have to take those days off and and some of my best like memories from the whole experience too are like from like days off or or, like shenanigans in town and Mm -hmm. stuff so i don't know it's uh you got to find that balance you know some people some people think that having to hike with a deadline is like a, a a bad thing and and i honestly i really didn't want to have to do that i would have before i left I definitely would have preferred to not have to worry about that, but excuse me, kind of looking back on it now, I, I 
I almost feel like it was like in a weird way, like having that pressure is like almost like made it kind of more fun just because, or maybe, maybe it just makes me feel better about it because I feel like I was really like, just like adding one extra like difficulty factor into the whole thing. And, and I don't know, I, I, I definitely feel like pretty proud about that given I was like kind of worried about it for the first part of the trail. So I don't know, again, maybe, maybe if I had had like a super chill through hike and and had time to kind of smell the roses a little bit more than I, I would not think that was the case, but I don't know, just the, the kind of like the grind of it all was like kind of fun in a really weird way, or at least it's fun to think back on. Mm -hmm. I I don't know. Maybe, (laughs) maybe it wasn't fun all the time, like in the moment, but I don't know. Like I said, I really don't have any regrets about how I did it. And I'm even kind of thinking about like the future if, and when I, I try to do the PCT, or some other long trail like that, you know, I, I honestly think that I will, as long as I'm physically capable, I think I would probably try to do it in a similar time frame and do like a similar pace. Just like, I don't know. I don't know. I say that maybe, maybe it would be <laughs> you say that now, thing, but I don't know. I'd like to think that's probably the best way to put it. I'd like to think that I would do it in a similar way, but who knows? <laughs> right. Were you, what am I, what am I trying to ask you? Okay, I'm, I'm oh, glad I'm, not, I'm glad I'm not the only one who just like <laughs> blanks on some of the questions when I'm asking them. Sometimes well, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, head... I don't, I don't, know if you edit these, but like I at least like once or twice an episode for me, I'm like, oh man, like I just totally butchered that question. Like, <laughs> like one time, I, I was, I don't even remember what I was saying, but like I was, I, I was trying to say throughout in my mm-hmm. question or something, and I accidentally said threw up. And I was like, oh, oh, man, that's just like, I can't, I can't have people hearing that. So <laughs> that's the joy of editing. Oh, for sure. For sure. That's why I was kind of nervous about it. I was like, oh man, like I'm taking like, at least when I do like my episodes, like I'm in control, right? Like if yeah. I, I can like take it out, but now I'm like just pushing that control out there mm-hmm. to somebody else. So I really got to watch. I, I tip my hat <laughs> to you. You've, you've handed me the wheel. <laughs> I think it's it's so far. Well, I sort of, in my head, I had sort of two questions and I was sort of unfortunately blending the two of them. And then I had to stop myself and think about what I was actually well, I, saying. I probably didn't help <laughs> either when I went on, went off on that little tangent there either. So I, I no, no, you're, you're good. Actually, it was, it was kind of funny. Uh, so the first question is doing the miles, taking more Nero's than zeros, that kind of stuff. How did your body respond to that? I mean, you hear everybody talk about, you know, the hiker legs and stuff like that. And and that's great. But you also hear everybody talk about, or pretty much everybody talk about the pain of hiking, the pain in your feet, the discomfort, you know, so it's sort of a give and take there. Yeah. Yeah. So my body responded very well to all of it, like alarmingly well, like to the point where I, this, that's, we're kind of talking about like things that were kind of stressful at the beginning for me. That was another thing that really stressed me out is I was really worried about getting injured because I knew that unlike someone who started earlier, if I had to take like a couple weeks off for an injury, then that could very well mean that I wasn't going to be able to make it in time. So that's actually another reason why I was like so focused on the pace is because I just wanted to make sure I had like as much buffer, as much of a buffer as I, as as I could possibly get there. But for, I was extremely fortunate. I, I, the worst pain I probably ever experienced on my hike was just from chafing 
And, you know, that's not the case for a lot of people. A lot of people get yeah. injured to the point where they have to quit their through hikes, first of all. And if not that, then, you know, a lot of people will have to take, you know, a chunk of time off somewhere along the line, usually more towards the beginning, certainly, um, to, to deal with an injury. But I, I never experienced anything like that. I, my body felt amazing pretty much the entire time. Like, like I said, like alarmingly, like amazing. Like I was, in my head, I was like, what the, f- like, I should be hurting like way more than I am. You know, not, that's not to say I didn't hurt at all. Like I was certainly sore at the beginning and my feet did start to hurt usually. Um, and that's kind of how I knew it was time to get a new pair of shoes. But for the most part, I felt like way too good. And like at, at the end, I remember, uh, on some of my early trail tales episodes, I was talking with uh, a lot of the people I hiked with like a couple weeks after we had finished and, a number yeah. of them said like how banged up they were at the ends, like a, like a couple weeks out, and I felt completely fine. I felt like I could literally like, just keep hiking if if I needed to. And I even I even went for like a hike like a couple days after I got back, and I went for like one run, and then I didn't do any exercise for like two months after that. But <laughs> I felt I felt amazing. That being said, I am actually dealing with a little bit of an injury right now. I I went. I, like I said, I took a number of months off afterwards. So I finished first day of October and then I probably didn't start working out again until like mid December, say. Okay. And even then it was like mostly like upper body. It was it really wasn't, I, I ran a handful of times, but you know, I, I live in Vermont, so I'm not crazy about winter hiking. So I, I <laughs> really haven't done that much hiking, but, and then in March I decided to start running again a little bit. And I, I really only ran like a couple times and I've, something going on with like my left foot and my left ankle. And like I said, uh, less than two weeks ago, like a week and a half ago, I was, I was doing this foothills trail through hike in South Carolina, 77 miles. And like, I made it through and like, I was fine, but there's definitely something's not right with my foot. Now. I don't know if this is something that happened on the AT. Cause like I said, right. the entire time I was on the AT, no pain, absolutely nothing. After I got back, absolutely nothing. Totally fine. So I don't know if it's something related to that. I, I tend to think it's not, honestly, but I guess it could be. I'm not a doctor. Um, probably <laughs> Nor do more, I play one on TV. No, definitely not. Probably more related to just the fact that I was like inactive for so so many months yeah. afterwards and then tried to get back into it, but who knows. I, sh- I should really get it checked out because I now that it's starting to get warm here in Vermont and the leaves are starting to come out and stuff, I'm like kind of itching to get back out there, but I, I'm a little bit hesitant with this foot thing, especially after uh, the kind of the trial run I did a week and a half ago Mm -hmm. and it worked out but it didn't work out as well as i would have i don't know i i'm I'm not gonna rant too much more about this stupid foot because my my parents not not my parents my roommates are sick of hearing me talk about it (laughs) because like it's probably not even a big deal i probably just need to rest it some more but we'll see (laughs) you need to be more gradual about it i guess so i guess so i'm getting old now i'm 23 i'm telling you with age comes wisdom though right yes yes for sure for sure (laughs) What what were the shoes that you were using? What did what were the shoes that you were using on the AT versus what were the shoes necessarily that you were using on the foothill? So I, I used the same okay. same shoes. I, I actually literally the same pair. I this, the pair of shoes that I summited Katahdin in were the same pair that I that I brought on this foothills trail um, because I had picked them up like right at the end of May, and so I'd only put a couple hundred miles on them on the AT, and I didn't want to buy new ones. Um, I think I'm going to now that I'm dealing with this foot thing. But anyways, so Las Pertiva Wildcats is is the shoes. Okay. Um, I've been hiking in those since 2016. I, I through hiked the long trail in 2016 
And that's like the first time I started to hike in the Wildcats and I love them. Like they never gave me any foot problems at all until now, maybe. So I, I always just kind of stuck with them and I'm fortunate in that I knew which shoes I was going to use before I left yeah. for the AT. You know, I didn't have to go through that whole trial basically that yeah. a lot of, um, you know, people who aren't as experienced when they set out, uh, have to go through, but, um, you know, they, they worked out really well for me the whole way. And I probably got, it depended on where I was hiking, but my first pair lasted me like 800 miles. Wow. And then my second, oh, I'm trying to think where, so I picked, oh man, I, I can't remember exactly how long my second pair lasted me. Not 800 miles though. None of my other ones lasted that long. <laughs> um, but I, I went through three full pairs and then the um the last pair i picked up in stratton maine which like i said is only like i think it's less than 200 miles from uh from there to the end of the trail so you know say like three and a quarter pairs of of trail runs what kind of feet do you have do you know what i'm saying not really (laughs) i've got i've got two i've got five i've got two yeah exactly a few toenails Uh, i i I'll, I'll, I'll take a, I'll take a crack at it. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like for the most part, I have pretty like good feet. I, they're pretty callous. So I never, I never had any blisters or anything like that. Um, am I, am I, am I close to what you were going for there? You are in the neighborhood, certainly. Okay. Um, but I'm also asking like, do you have high arches, wide okay, feet, okay. you know, you know I guess honestly, what type of shoes that yeah. these type of shoes? Honestly, I don't even know. <laughs> to, really? Like, to be completely honest, no. Like I, 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 I definitely don't have flat feet because I've okay. started to pay attention to my arches a little bit more since I've kind of had this thing coming on here. But mm-hmm. like, um, I, I, I honestly don't know. I've never really had any foot problems, so I've just never really like looked into it. I'm size ten and a half. I don't know if that mm-hmm. <laughs> that has anything to do with it. Interesting. That <laughs> no, is I'm that is really so sure. interesting. I. Yeah, I maybe, guess if, if maybe you don't as have... I get maybe as I get older and start to have more problems, then uh, and then I'll start to pay more attention to that. Honestly, I'm I'm thinking about going to a was it a podiatrist or yep. yeah a p- podiatrist to get this checked out. So maybe uh, maybe I'll have to get back to you on that one. I'm sure he or she will have a little more information about my my <laughs> type of type of foot. <laughs> probably, probably. Oh, that's funny. I, maybe I guess I just uh, automatically drill down when I think of, of shoes or gear or whatever, and I start getting into the, okay, well, this is high arches with the this, that, and the big toe and the little toes and the... Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like I said, I've, I've, until now, I've never, I've never had any problems, so I just, I just never like, paid attention to it. I remember my right. first couple pairs of trail runners, you know, back when I was in like high school and, and stuff, when I was first getting into backpacking were literally just like, like, I don't even know what they were. They were probably just like cheapo, mm-hmm. like Walmart, like trail yeah. runners, like, and like they were fine. So <laughs> I don't know. I just, I just never really paid attention to it. And I've also hiked in these uh, wildcats for so long now at this point, you know, what's that like three years, 2016. Yeah. yeah around there, something like that. So I just, I've, I always knew they worked and I just didn't really have to, to worry about like, you know, finding the perfect fitting shoe and insole and all that stuff. So until now, until now, until this moment, this very moment, unfortunately, what do you, what do you tend to use for uh, socks and do you use gaiters and that kind of thing? Yeah. So gaiters, no, I've, I've honestly never used gaiters. Um, I, I've only really ever hiked on the East coast. Um, until the AT, I'd only ever hiked in the Adirondacks, the white mountains, Maine and Vermont, 
now I've hiked in those places plus the AT, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I've actually, I guess I did hike in Glacier National Park a couple times, but it was only just like a, a couple days and it wasn't backpacking either. So mostly East Coast. I don't know if like gators are more of a thing on the West Coast. I mean, I saw some people wearing them on the AT, but I've never I've never had a problem with like getting stuff in my socks or in my in my shoes. So mm-hmm. I've never really felt the need. And then as far as socks go, I mean, like I said earlier, I'm from Vermont, lived here my whole life, so I got to rep darn tough. And <laughs> and that's not the only reason. That's not the only reason. Like those are by far like the best socks I've ever worn. Like I, I literally wear those just like around, like even when I'm not hiking, just because I love them so much. So mm-hmm. definitely darn tough. Never once I first time I ever hiked in them, I literally haven't ever hiked a day without those socks <laughs> since then. Honestly, so darn tough all the way for sure. Have you ever used their return policy? Oh, yes. Yes, I have. In fact, <laughs> I really need to now because I still have like my my last couple pairs of socks from the AT just like sitting in my room and definitely don't want to be wearing those things anymore. They're pretty, uh, pretty nasty at this point. So I need to I need to go I need to go return them. And uh, I've, I, I even have like a couple more pairs from like past years, too. So I'm, I'm due for like five new pairs of darn tough socks right now. So <laughs> they're going to be getting a big old package here in a few days. Yeah, your your socks, your old socks are standing are sitting in the corner, uh, guilting you into making know, that transition. I know, I know. The problem is, I just I always just buy new ones and then I just yep. wear the new ones. So I, I just I have I have I have returned them in the past, but just not recently. So yeah. I definitely need to get back on that for sure. <laughs> you got trails to hike. Mm-hmm. For for sleeping, did you? pretty much always have somebody with you or is that just kind of also the nature of the the at because of the shelter systems and things like that yeah and all the established campsites um i probably spent you know i don't know the exact number off my off the top of my head probably like maybe five nights by myself and then every every other night i was with somebody um even even when i wasn't staying at the established campsites because you know you can still stealth camp on the appalachian trail there are still a lot of campsites that aren't marked on the map per se um but usually i was always like with my my friends so Mm -hmm. you know even though we wouldn't necessarily always like literally like hike hike together we would always meet you know at the end of the day in the same spot so you know you that being said i mean i I did do it a couple times and i have done it solo like solo camp by myself on on other trails in the past too and like I prefer to stay with other people, but I don't know, sometimes it's kind of nice too. Especially I found on a through hike, like sometimes it's nice just for like a, a change of pace, just to kind of like have like a quiet night to yourself every now and right. then. But for the most part, I'd probably prefer to be staying with other people, you know, whether it's people I know or, or making some new friends or whatever it is. Right. Now, did I, am I remembering correctly that you use a hammock? Yes. Yes. Yes, you are. Okay. So how did, that work <laughs> yeah so so yeah i guess people on the west coast probably wonder about that sometimes yeah um, not necessarily hammocky yeah um it worked amazingly i love it to death um there's like there were so many nights where like my friends got sick of me saying this like i would literally like get in my hammock and i would just think to myself like how is it possible to be this comfortable like in the middle of the woods somewhere <laughs> like it's, it's honestly like kind of absurd um i sleep on my back most of the time mm. just anyways so that definitely helps um that being said you can and i do sometimes sleep on my side in my hammock as well um stomach that might be a little bit of an issue if you're a stomach sleeper then that might not work quite as well but um 
I mean, I, I, I'm all about the hammock. My listeners know that. Uh, definitely great when it's raining as well because you're off the ground. Honestly, I don't even, I've, I don't, I think I've been hammock since I like first started doing this. So I don't know if I've ever even spent a night in the backcountry with a tent. So I can't really speak oh, really? from experience about what it's like being in a tent when it rains, you know, when, when you're on the trail. Um, but I've heard and I can imagine that it's all, not always the best, you know, depending on your campsite and your tent and stuff. But I will say that I've never gotten wet in my hammock. Um, never had to worry about like splashback, always super dry when it rains. And again, maybe you guys on the West Coast don't really worry about that <laughs> much as well. But around here, especially in Vermont, there's a there's a lot of rain pretty much anytime it's not winter. So that's definitely something you have to, to take into consideration. Um, I am going to have to get a tent. For when I venture out west, though, actually, I, yes. I, do, I do have a tent. I have a, a Fly Creek UL2 that I found really, really cheap. I found it for like 150 bucks and kind of like impulsively bought it like a, a month or two ago, but I haven't actually used it yet. So I'm, I'm kind of saving that for when I make it out west. You unconsciously knew it was coming. I was like, I mean, eventually, or if I if I have like a friend who wants to start hiking there with me, then I can give give them the tent and you know and. It was just such a good deal. I just felt like like I can't not buy this. Like I, I have to. I have to get a hundred. It wasn't even a hundred. It was like a hundred thirty bucks for a mm-hmm. almost brand new Fly Creek UL two. You you can't beat nice. that. Nice. Can't beat. That's true. That is true. Now with your hammock, I've talked to one other person who who uses a hammock, and there was basically there's a a fly that goes over. Um, and then where, where were you putting your pack and such? Yes. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's a good question. If I was at a shelter, then I would often try to put it in the shelter just to make, just take care of that. Like nice and easy. Mm -hmm. Um, now if you're not at a shelter, I would usually, honestly, I'm, I'm not very organized with my gear. If it was, if I like thought it wasn't going to rain, sometimes I wouldn't even put up my tarp. And if that was the case, then I would probably just like put everything in my backpack and just like leave it like wherever, like whatever <laughs> like, around the, like the, around like the cooking area or by the fire pit or something. I don't know. But um, if it was going to rain, then often what I would do or pretty much always, I would put like my phone, my wallet, um, my uh, rechargeable battery, like anything electronic, my headlamp certainly actually in my hammock with me. So I knew I didn't have to worry about that getting wet. And then, I line the inside of my pack with the trash compactor bag uh, for waterproofing. So I would kind of like reverse that. I would like take the bag out of my pack and then I would put all my extra stuff in my pack and then put the pack in the trash compactor bag, like kind of tied up and then put it right underneath my hammock underneath the tarp. So it would stay dry. And I've, I've never, I've never had any of my, my stuff get wet, you know, using that kind of method. So again, it's not like the most organized way because i would pretty much just throw everything into the trash bag and kind of like throw it underneath my hammock but i mean it worked and i and i used the same trash compactor bag the entire at too and it, I, my stuff never got wet somehow i don't even know how that worked but it wow. it, it did <laughs> that sounds nearly impossible you know it's not i i um i think it was my friend flossie who i hiked with he did the same thing and like this wasn't this wasn't like intentional either i didn't like set out being like oh yeah i'm like, I'm going to use the same <laughs> bag the whole way, you know? I just, I just never, I just never, never got a new one. Like, I just, it was always fine. So I just didn't really want to bother with it. <laughs> yeah. Now, what, what hammock were you using? What, were you using a sleeping bag or sleeping quilt or? Yeah, yeah. So hammock, I have a Hennessy 
uh, Hyperlight, which is a couple years old now. Um, I don't know. I don't, the newer model might be different. And then um, as far as my tarp, I actually didn't have like a super like high end tarp. It was probably like my like most like low end piece of gear. It was just like a I think the brand was like Chill Gorilla or something. It was like a forty dollar wow. tarp I bought on Amazon. And I, I, I bought it like right before my hike and I, I had another tarp cause the Hennessy comes with a tarp, but, um, it's a little bit small. Like it, it's just barely big enough to work. Like it works, but right. I, I kind of wanted to have a little more space and since I was going to be using it so much. So I, I was kind of at the end of my budget for like pre trail gear. So I just had to buy this, this cheap tarp. And honestly I say it's, I say it's cheap and I'm kind of ragging on it, but like it did the job. It, it did the job like it like quality wise like it's a it's a good tarp for the money um it's just really heavy that's that's like the big mm. downside like it wasn't like flimsy it wasn't like ripping or anything like that like it wasn't cheap in that regard um it was just like it was really heavy and i, I try to go as light as possible so that was like the only downside and then as far as the um quilt so i i yeah i, I had a quilt it was a hammock gear uh, 30 degree econ quilt, I believe is the, the, um, the name of the actual model there. And that thing was absolutely amazing. I love that. I, I met a couple other people, both hammockers and ground sleepers, you know, people with tents mm-hmm. that used that quilt and, um, can't say enough good things about that other than the fact that it stinks now, but that's got nothing to do with the fact that that's got nothing to do with the actual like product itself. It's just right. the fact that it saw 2000 miles, but, um, yeah, definitely, definitely quilt life, hammock life, and quilt life for sure. <laughs> did you ever have is- any issues with temperature, like getting cold or? Yeah, actually, I did towards the end. So um, another thing, which I'm not sure if you're familiar because I know you're not like super uh, up to date on the whole hammock thing, but often people will use under quilts on hammocks, which are basically just uh, it's just in case you're not familiar, it's just like the bottom half of a sleeping bag basically that you hang underneath your hammock, and that kind of gives you that uh insulation underneath you on your back there and so hanging underneath your hammock not underneath you but underneath your hammock. literally literally underneath the hammock yeah okay and so that's what a lot of people do i i just bought one of those but i have yet to use it the other thing you can do is you can use a sleeping pad basically because you, you have to have something underneath you in a hammock um because you're you're off the ground and you just don't have that insulation it can get quite chilly without anything there um so i used a very old and very compressed Thermares Z-Lite sleeping pad that I've had for like five years. They're like 40 bucks. I don't know why I didn't replace it. Like I literally could have replaced it and I just never thought of it. So that thing, I'm saying this because towards the end of the hike, um, I was starting to get a little bit cold at night, mostly just because this sleeping pad, first of all, it probably, I probably should have had something else, maybe an underquilt by that point anyways. Mm-hmm especially with this sleeping pad that was so goddamn old and just didn't have <laughs> any insulation. I, I was getting chilly. Um, thankfully I was able to stay in shelters for most of, especially Maine is like right at the very end was when it really started to get cold. Yeah. And when I say it really started to get cold, we probably had like three or four nights like in the thirties and like that, that was, it. it wasn't like, it wasn't like snowing or anything like that, but um, yeah. I definitely was pushing the the temperature limits for my gear um staying in shelters though was very clutch because i would always like sleep fine as far as the temperature goes in a shelter um if they had been full then i kind of would have been screwed like i would have had to just suck it up and put on all my clothes and like i would have been fine might not have been the most comfortable night in the world but you know i i would have been okay but um 
I was fortunate in that I could, I, I was able to stay in a shelter anytime that like I really like wanted to and, and, and really wanted to kind of make sure I was, I was going to be toasty at night. So it, it did work out. And then I also had like a down jacket and long underwear. And I, when I was in Gorham, New Hampshire, right at the end of New Hampshire, I picked up some more, like uh, I picked up like a pair of pants and I picked up like a, just like a thermal, like upper layer and a hat and gloves and all that stuff. So I was, I was, I was prepared and I had a mm-hmm. rain jacket too. So yeah, I, I, I was good. <laughs> when you picked up that stuff, did you just pick it up at a retailer as in the times you were going through or was your, is something your parents sent you? So a kind of a mix. So the okay. pair of pants, they were just like a, like your stereotypical, like pair of hiking pants, like Columbia, like kind of, mm-hmm. I don't know what the material is, obviously not cotton, just like the light kind of material that you've seen everybody hiking, I'm sure both yeah. East Coast, West Coast. Um, and I had, I had those already. So my parents sent me those. And then I, every, let's see what else, the hat, I, uh, I did have my parents send me a hat actually, although I could have very easily just bought like a beanie or something mm-hmm. if I had to, but I wanted my Clarkson hat. I had to rep my school. Um, <laughs> Uh, and then the only, I, I did buy the gloves and the upper thermal layer, just like at Walmart. And you know, that was, that was easy enough. So kind of, kind of a mix. Some of it was sent, bought some of it as I went. Yeah. It sounds like in one respect, you were kind of lucky to be at the back end of the bubble because you were able to get into the shelters without much trouble. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I don't know how it would have been if like I was, had started earlier and, I feel like by the time you make it to Maine, that it, it still probably would have thinned out. Sure. Again, I don't know for sure. Maybe someone out there listening to this is like screaming at their screen. <laughs> right now, but I, I would assume that it probably still would have thinned out enough. That being said, it's not just like the uh, the bubble, like through hiker traffic you have to worry about too. Obviously, there's the there's the section hikers and the weekends, you know, weekend yeah. hikers and, and thing people like that. So you know, I, I definitely was still a little bit lucky. Um, but you know, like I said, if I had absolutely had to, I, I could have just used my hammock and, it up. and been okay. Yeah. And I did, I did do that one time actually, um, in the hundred mile wilderness right before I finished. Um, cause I was staying at a campsite that didn't have a shelter, but you know, and, and it, once it started to get cold too, we all kind of wanted to just sleep in the shelters cause like the bugs weren't bad anymore. So you didn't really have to worry about, um, you know, being in your bug netting anymore. Like that's obviously a mm-hmm. huge advantage to sleeping in your tent or your hammock yeah. uh, during the summer. So we didn't have to worry about that. And it was just kind of nice when it was like getting cold in the morning, just to have like one less thing to deal with, you know, having to, you know, pack up all your, your, your tent or your hammock or anything like that. So that was another reason why we all just kind of wanted to just hike, get to the shelter and do our thing and not have to do that extra step, I guess, laziness and coldness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm sure the coffee was particularly good on those mornings. Oh, it was great. It just took it just took even longer to heat up though, because those canisters don't work as well when it's cold, which I've yeah. learned. So <laughs> I had to had to wait a little oh, bit wow. a little bit longer, shivering in my sleeping bag. But you know, <laughs> I made it work. Life is rough. What is your trail name? My trail name is Narnar. That's N A R N A R. If I was not 16 and stupid, then I probably would have spelled it like the proper like G-N-A-R way, but I was <laughs> 16 and stupid, so <laughs> drop the G. <laughs> so you've just stuck with the same trail name throughout. I have. I have. I got it on my very first hike ever. I was trying to hike the long trail. My very first backpacking trip ever, I should say. I was trying to through hike the long trail, 
it did not make it very far at all, <laughs> but I, I got my trail name out of it. So that kind of, that was like the one good thing that happened on that trip. <laughs> so this is supposed to be for gnarly or something like that. Yeah. I had some, some quote, like gnarly blisters on my feet and these guys that were kind of like helping me out and, and uh, giving me some band-aids and stuff were like, Oh dude, those are so gnarly. Your trail name should be nar nar. And my 16 year old self was like, that is the best trail name that's ever existed. <laughs> like, obviously, like Narnar, like that's like, how could you beat Narnar? And I've signed a lot of logbooks with that name since then. And honestly, I, I, I've said this before on my show too. I, I feel like I kind of wish I had maybe gotten another one at some point, but by the time I hit the AT, I was just like, I am Narnar. Like I've had this name for so long now. Like it's, it's too late to go. It just wouldn't feel right for me if I went back now. So I've got a feeling I'm going to be freaking Narnar for the rest of my life. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, probably at this point, it seems like it's a pretty entrenched. Yep. I think it's a, I think it's going to stick after (laughs) all these years. (laughs) How was your experience on the trail with like trail angels and trail magic? Yeah. So I actually didn't, I I did have trail magic, but I didn't have it at what appears to be the rate for people who start at a normal time. So again, kind of a lot of this stuff kind of goes back to my late start date. Um, I, yeah, I can, I want to say maybe like probably like 10 or 11 times max I had any sort of trail magic as far as like the hiker feeds go, you know, where there's like, excuse me, where there's like somebody literally posted up like at a trailhead, like cooking food for hikers. I only got that twice the entire trail and they were both on the same day too, which is hilarious. (laughs) Two different spots. So I didn't really have very much of that, which for better or for worse, some people kind of look at it different, different views there. But, Mm -hmm. um, I, I didn't really get too much of that. I did, sometimes get just like the Gatorade left in a cooler at the trailhead or one time this, this old guy in uh, Georgia just like gave me a banana. That was, that was pretty awesome. Shout out to that guy. Wish I remembered his name. Um, And yeah, just kind of various things, things like that, I guess. Um, But overall it wasn't like super, super common. Like, I I don't know if this is true or not, but I have heard people say that like it gets to a point for those that are in the bubble that they like actually like expect it at certain road crossings yeah, and like anticipate that. it. And like, that was not the case for me. Like anytime I had it, it was like very much a treat. Like it was kind of out of the blue. And that, <laughs> that one day it was so funny. I was, um, that was the day that I climbed Mount Moosalak or Moosalaki. I'm not really sure how to pronounce it. Um, in the white mountains, it's the first mountain in the whites in New Hampshire. Okay. And it, you pretty much will cross a road on the South side of it immediately start to go up it, you know, summit, go down, and then right at the bottom, you cross another road. And I got like a little hiker feed <laughs> as I crossed the road on the way up. And that was great. I was like, oh, this is my first time. Like, so amazing. Like, probably won't happen again the whole trail. Then I went up and over the mountain. And then when I came down at the parking lot on the other side, like, same thing, just a, a totally different group of people set up for a hiker feed. And so I got some pizza and some soda there. And that was great. So <laughs> nice. maybe you wish I had had a couple more. But at the same time, it's like, I, I don't know if they would have been as special if I was getting them like more consistently, you know? Yeah, definitely. As, as much as you as we call it trail magic and it's supposed to be spontaneous and whatever. I think people do start to come to expect it. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, I mean, that, that just wasn't the case for me. So I can't really speak to that, but I definitely have kind of heard that from, 
from other people. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I say that it was like good the way I did it, but also I feel like knowing me when I'm hiking and how hungry I get, like I would have been like probably just as excited every single time it happens. <laughs> uh, maybe maybe I'll maybe I'll walk back that statement a little bit. Maybe maybe it would have been maybe it would have been sick. I don't know. <laughs> now you were you were though just waxing poetic about a banana. So it sounds like there's there's some story there about a banana and a guy who provided uh, you with some. Not really, honestly. Crucial I, I banana. The, re- the reason that one sticks out is because that was like the very first time I got any trail magic on the AT. Oh, really? So it was like, like I said, it was in Georgia. So I was probably only a couple days in. And um, yeah, it was just some like some random like old guy with this, this the thick southern accent, which I love southern accents. So that was great, too. Um, and he just gave me a banana and some water and just just a nice retired guy that was just kind of, you know, helping out some strangers. So. That was that was pretty awesome. Not not really too much of a story there, honestly. I just it, it just sticks out because like it was my first time getting trail magic, and I was like, oh yeah, like this is this is great. And and actually, fresh fruit on the trail too, like that's amazing. That's a much better addition to lunch than having an extra handful of potato chips. So yeah, well, it sounds like you basically lived on potato chips. So a banana I, I was a, a an unusual thing. Chips. Salt and vinegar, barbecue Fritos. Oh geez, what else? Oh, not not always potato chips. Sometimes I would have those like Snyder's pretzels, like the uh-huh. buffalo the buffalo flavored Snyder Snyder's pretzels. <laughs> uh, I still eat those sometimes now. Honestly, like those things are those things are fire. Barbecue chips. I think I, already, I said barbecue Fritos. Yeah. yeah, barbecue chips too. Like yeah, all all the potato chips. A lot of. Is potato. there anything that you are completely and absolutely sick of and can't even look at anymore? Oh man, um, uh, I would have probably said like okay actually yes the yes pop tarts absolutely <laughs> and honestly i was like like 80 percent burnt out on pop tarts before i even left for the trail because i'd oh, eat them like those were like my breakfast staple on like every other hike i'd done before my through hike of the at and so like i was 80 percent burnt out and then after having them a couple times on the at that just like pushed me up to 100 percent. and so i have not even like pop tarts are honestly they're like I, I don't even know how like people eat those anymore. Pop tarts suck. And then um, honey buns, I got pretty burnt out on as well. I, I, I almost bought those for breakfast on my foothills trail hike. I just did, but I couldn't bring myself to, I, I like picked up the box in the grocery store and I was like, I was like looking at it. I was like, I, I don't think I can do it. So I had some protein bars instead. Um, I did get kind of burnt out on cliff bars. Like everybody says that they, they get yeah. burnt out on cliff bars and, I got a little bit burnt out on them, but I was still able to get a couple down on the foothills trail. So like, it wasn't like super, super bad. Um, and yeah, that's, that's, I mean, for the most part, like a lot of the food that I eat on the trail, like I don't really eat like in real life, except for the potato chips. I definitely eat potato chips still, but like, as far as like the North sides, like, you're not going to find me eating yeah. like, freaking North sides in real life. So I don't know. I, I was pretty burnt out on those by the end, but, um, I I was able to eat them on the foothills trail like pretty pretty like happily because I was starving so I, I I guess that burnout kind of went away so I don't know I I'd say pop tarts yeah. are probably the, the biggest thing that Good I like one. even to this day I can't I can't do it. <laughs> How long did it take for hiker hunger to hit you? Um. Oh geez. Um. Not very long, honestly. I eat, I eat a lot, like just in general and like regular life. So, uh, yeah, like I don't even know, like not not long at all, because I because on other hikes I feel like it had taken a little bit longer, 
but I had just done like so many miles before I even left for the AT that I just like, I was already, my body was already used to being hungry. Like as soon as I'd been in the woods for longer than like 12 hours. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it definitely got worse, obviously just because I was like burning so many extra calories, but like certainly by the time I got to Virginia, like even before that, like I remember even in like Franklin, uh, North Carolina, which is only like the second town you'd, you'd, uh, you'd go to on the AT, like a hundred miles in or so. Even then I remember like, just like pigging out and having a big old burger and a milkshake and all that stuff. So pretty, pretty early on. And then it didn't really ever subside until like weeks after I got back, even, <laughs> even after I got back, I mean, I was just still like so hungry all the time. What was the most massive quantity of food that you ate? Oh, man. Oh, man. I know there's two exact scenarios that come to mind. <laughs> so both of these were in Pennsylvania, too. So I hit like the like the peak of my eating in Pennsylvania. I, I literally actually so I lost some weight right at the beginning. Um, but I actually ended up gaining it back by the time I got like through Pennsylvania because that stretch of the Appalachian Trail has a very or what's the best way to put this it's very accessible town is very accessible yeah that's what i was trying to say there there's a lot of towns and you could almost go into town every single day if you wanted to in fact there's a stretch in pennsylvania where it worked out very well that i was on this stretch of trail at the time because the rain was really really bad through there there was some stretches that were getting flooded and it was just like some like some stupid rainfall right like it was just awful and I remember there was like six nights in a row that I like slept inside and still like hiked during the day, which was amazing. So anyways, um, before I get too off topic here, so <laughs> there's, there's two times in Pennsylvania. The first time was in a place called Carlisle, Pennsylvania. And honestly, I don't remember exactly what I ordered, but I can send you a picture of it because like the, our waitress like took a picture of all of us because we had so much. <laughs> I ordered, I think I had like, uh, like a plate of like like pancakes, like a full on like like breakfast you'd see people get with like eggs. Like mm-hmm. I, I pretty much had every single breakfast food that you could get. Like I had pancakes, eggs, bacon, uh, home fries. Let's see what else was in there. Toast, and then I also had a full thing of biscuits and gravy as well. So it, it was like it was a it was a stupid amount of food. I, I feel like I can't really do it justice describing it, but um. I, I should but you send have you that. I have a picture of it. It's actually on my Instagram. If you go, if you okay. scroll back a little bit on a at Trail Tales Pod, that's the uh, the Instagram for my podcast. Mm-hmm. I, I posted it there at one point. Um, there's like a, a an entire there's four people at the table. The entire table's full of food, and like probably a good like third to a half of that was like just mine, and then the rest was like everybody oh, wow. else. And then the second time, this was probably the, this was probably the the worst. I again, it was probably only like a, it was probably only a couple days later. Honestly, I was at a, a town called Wind Gap, Pennsylvania, and I love diners. Like both these restaurants were diners, and like there's a ton of diners throughout most of the AT. Honestly, especially that like uh, Mid Atlantic, like New Jersey, Pennsylvania, that kind of section there. People mm-hmm. down there love their diners for sure. And I bought, I got three entrees for one meal. So I had, I think I had twelve chicken wings. And then I had a pulled pork sandwich and then I had a double cheeseburger with fries and I ate it all. And they started calling me like triple entree for like a hot minute after that. <laughs> I, I ate it all and I felt disgusting afterwards. Like I, I tried to drink a beer after and I, I like couldn't even do it. It was awful. And and after that, 
after both those incidents, because like I said, they were both like within a couple days of each other. Mm -hmm. I I was kind of like, what the excuse me, what the hell am I doing with my life? Like I need to I need to chill out a little bit with this. Like still got to eat a lot to make up for all the calories and stuff. But like I kind of I tamed it down a little bit after that. That was that was pretty disgusting. Oh man, I put I like (laughs) it was yeah it was bad. (laughs) You were making yourself sick. I I almost did. I did not actually like throw up, thankfully, but um, I very well could have. I was I was I was walking on on a thin line there for sure. Yeah, that would have almost been a party foul. I mean, the whole point was to get the calories. I know, I know. Yeah, right. Then I would have had to like, and then I would have been hungry again for a while, probably. <laughs> and then I would have had yep. to go do it again. <laughs> I did. I did have one of my friends did throw up one time from reading too much. I don't know. I don't know how uh. gross you want to get on this. So feel free to cut this out if you don't want it. But like, okay. Like uh, <laughs> one time we were in a Kent, Connecticut. And it, it was funny because there's three of us. We each ordered a large pizza. I finished all mine and my friend Indy finished all of his as well. Our other friend Flossie, he didn't quite finish his. But I just remember a lady that was like sitting at a table near us or I think we were at the bar or something. She like looked at us afterwards and she's like, where the hell did all that pizza go? Like she <laughs> had like taken note of how much food we ate and like she wasn't even like with us. And then we kind of explained her like, oh, we're through hiking. Like we're just really hungry. Like I don't even know. And then later that night, my friend Indy, it, it definitely came back up, which was unfortunate. Yeah. But yeah. I, held, I held my down. So I don't know. He also had like two, two like heavy toppings. He had like sausage and pepperoni on his. Mm. I just had like some vegetables and some like some bacon or something. I don't know. Mine wasn't quite as hefty. But yeah, sorry. Sorry, Indy, if, if you hear this, like <laughs> that, was, that was pretty funny. though. <laughs> the, the secret's out. Yes. I, I could see that being an issue, though, because you're hiking with with the hunger you get into town and you gorge yeah, control and get yourself, all these yeah. calories. Yeah. Honestly, it's and, one of it's one of my favorite things about backpacking. I just eat as much as I want in town without like feeling like super guilty about it. Like I have to, mm-hmm. cause like I said, I'm a, I'm just like, I eat a lot in general. Like I'm a hungry person. So <laughs> just like, I, I, I have to kind of restrain myself sometimes like just like now for instance, but on the trail, I don't feel bad about just like letting it go and, yeah. and eating as much as I can. Cause like, I mean, most of the time you really need to, to just be able to, you know, keep up the calories. So I don't know. Yeah. I, I also, how does your system like take all that in uh, to go from what you're eating on a day to day on the trail to this massive quantity of food? Like, <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I have absolutely no idea. Honestly, like, I don't know. I did it and I never, it never came back up. Like I always held it down. So <laughs> Knock on wood. <laughs> I know. Right. Right. For real. But no, I, I don't know. Like, and I usually would like, I mean, those two times I just described, I did not feel great after those two times. But mm-hmm. most of the time when I would still eat like a lot, I usually felt fine afterwards. So maybe not like maybe not like go hike another 20 miles fine. But like right. I, I wasn't like, you know, stumbling like across the street, like trying to get back to the hotel room or whatever. Like I was I was all right. I was fine. You were good to go. That's right. That's right. What was your what was your worst or most difficult time on trail you kind of had mentioned some stuff earlier but um mm-hmm. like other a, moment yeah so i guess there's there's the two different kinds of like challenging moments there's the physically challenging moments and, and then the mentally um which let's go with the mentally mentally yeah because that's that's something i like to talk about a lot on my show as well um so let's see mentally i think honestly the very beginning and the very end were the two hardest times mentally for me. The very beginning, just because 
Uh, I, I had like decided when I was like 16, like right when I was first getting into backpacking that someday I wanted to do the AT and, and all the hikes I had done up to then, you know, I hiked, I hiked the long trail two times before then I had, I had tried to hike the North Delta Placid trail in the Adirondacks and made it most of the way, but had to, didn't have to bail. out. I, I did bail out for various reasons. And I'd also peak bagged like 80% of the Northeast 115. So I'd done a lot of hiking before this and all of that kind of in the back of my head was like leading up to this AT through hike. So once I actually was on the trail, like literally from the time my parents dropped me off and I started hiking right from Amicalola Falls State Park, I kind of got hit with this wave of like, holy shit, like I've been thinking about this. Hmm. I've been planning about this for so, so long. And, and now I'm actually like doing it. Like the time has come and like, it just, that was, that was like kind of like, scary i don't know like i didn't really get too nervous until like the morning that i left which is kind of weird but it just kind of hit me all at once and and mentally that was that was tough uh, i'm not gonna say i like thought about quitting because i kind of knew that like okay I just, it's just hiking like i've done this already like I, i'm comfortable mm -hmm. i just need to like you know get over these original these yeah these original nerves kind of um, but that, that was hard. Those first like couple days mentally were, were challenging. And, and obviously it's just your face with the fact that you know, go hike for four to five months. Like, what is that? Like, that, that's ridiculous. Right. Yeah. And so that was a little bit tough. Um, that did kind of wane after, is that a, is that a word? I feel like that's a word, yeah. right? Like it, it totally did kind of wane. <laughs> pull up the dictionary real quick a after, after a couple days, it really wasn't that, that long. Like kind of once I settled in, like I just said, um, that, that was, that was tough. Um, let's see. And then the end, the end was the other really part, the really other hard part. So I, I feel like anticipating the beginning being tough mentally is like kind of a given. Like, I feel like that's pretty reasonable, something that yeah. most people could see coming. But one thing that I did not see coming at all was having the very end of the trail be so hard mentally for me. I figured even, you know, before I even left and certainly while I was on the trail, I, I, I figured that by the time I made it to Maine, you know, the last state, the last 280 miles, that that would be a breeze, right? Like I've already, maybe not a breeze, but I figured it wouldn't be that bad. You know, right. I've already gone almost 2000 miles at this point. Like what's another like 280 miles, like a couple of weeks and then you're done. But mm -hmm. I found that I, once I made it to Maine, just because I was in the last state, I really started to think about the end at that point. I started to think about how close I was. So up until then, I would make like a conscious effort to not think about how many miles I had left. I mean, sure, you know, I see it in the guidebook every day, but like I just, I right. really wouldn't try to focus on it. You know, I try to focus on how far I came. I've heard when people make it to Harper's Ferry that sometimes they, instead of being excited that they made it halfway, they'll be like, oh, I've only gone halfway. Like I still have <laughs> to do everything I just did again. And that was yeah. not the case for me. When I made it to Harper's Ferry, I was so excited. I was like, fuck yeah, I just did that first half. Like I'm going to crush the second half. Like it's going to be good. And I kept up that attitude of really just focusing on how far I'd gone and not how far I had left all the way until I made it to Maine. And for some reason, after I crossed that border, it kind of settled in that I was in the last state, right? Like this is the home stretch. This is like the last piece of the trail before you get to the finish hmm. line. And it really kind of messed with me, honestly. Um, I, I, for some reason, after that 280 miles felt like 
even more intimidating than the 2000 miles had felt when I started. And I, and I, I don't know, I don't know why, honestly, um, maybe it was cause I was just like ready to be done. I, I'm not really sure, but it was just something about that. I got to that last day and mentally I just, I was like, Oh man, like I know I, like I know, I knew I could do it. Like I, I wasn't going to quit, but like it, it, it just kind of, it kind of felt like a drag for some reason. I was like, Oh man, like I need to not think about the end, but like, I can't help it. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I'm articulating this as well as I, I would like to, but it, it was just something I did not anticipate, honestly. And, and as soon as I crossed that state border, I it, all these thoughts about the end started to creep into my head. And I really kind of let go of that, like, think about how far you've came mentality. And the end just seemed so far away. It was like, and maybe, maybe too, it was because of all the work I'd already put in up to that point. And I was like, okay, I've gone this far. Like, I'm so close, but I still have to go over like some of the, like the toughest terrain on the whole trail before I get there. And it just felt like Maine just dragged on. I, I I'm not really sure why. I, honestly, I'd be curious to to ask any other uh, Appalachian Trail through hikers if they felt the same way, or if by the time they made it to Maine, because this is this is another thing I've heard people say. By the time they made it to Maine, they realized how it was almost over and they kind of started to like really relish the moment a little bit more because of that. And, yeah. and I really wish I could have done that. Honestly, I, like I wanted to, like I, I even, I like literally thought about that while I was out there. I was like, I really want to like kind of take this in, but hey, I just felt like so close, but so far away still, you know, hmm. it's, it's cause I mean, when you, when you think about it, 280 miles is like a pretty, it's a pretty good chunk of trail. And in Maine, I believe is actually like the third, longest state maybe is it i don't i can't quite remember if pennsylvania yeah, i'm not sure it's either the second I, I think it's the third longest state um, behind behind virginia and pennsylvania i think so you know it's still a long state and i guess you, i mean people will always say like the appalachian trail georgia to maine right and now mm-hmm. i'm in maine but i still have to hike like a bunch of other stuff that's like pretty challenging trail especially southern maine actually i would say that's probably the most challenging part of the whole trail physically um anyways so that I think that might have kind of played in as well. But yeah, just the beginning and the end. Um, people will often say, I'm sure you, you've heard like Virginia blues before, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's another thing. And, and Virginia was kind of tough because on the AT, like you do kind of measure your progress by like the frequency and the amount of times you cross state lines. And, and because you're in Virginia for so long, it does kind of feel like you're kind of just like on a treadmill sometimes like you're not actually like going forward. But, um, I, I, I feel like that, that was a little bit overhyped. I, I didn't, I didn't get that like too, too bad. I definitely was very excited once I got out of Virginia, but, um, that, that, that wasn't like super, super challenging. I will say though, that middle part of the trail was, um, very hot and humid and up here in Vermont, we only get like a couple months of like hot weather and it's still not even as hot as it is as hot as it is down there. So that was something I was not used to at all. So that like definitely messed with me and I was like sweating so much and chafing so much. So that, that was tough too, but still probably not as challenging as the last state was as uh, going through Maine was. So yeah. Totally just getting there. Yep. Yep. For sure. For sure. What did you do about the chafing or how did you uh, first date it? I, Oh man, it was so bad. Um, <laughs> I I tried. Flashbacks. I, I tried a lot of different things, honestly, and I I feel like I never actually came up with like a good solution for it. So maybe I'm not the best person to necessarily talk about this, but um, 
So you were having those issues throughout, basically. Mostly, yeah. Anytime it was really hot, because I don't know if I I think something about just the fact that I was doing exercise every single day for so long made my body like sweat like an abnormal amount. So anytime Mm -hmm. that I was like hiking during a really hot and especially more so the humidity, honestly, a really humid day. I would literally be drenched head to toe. Like it was absolutely disgusting. Like I have this ridiculously funny picture of me that this guy took at an overlook somewhere in Virginia. And like, (laughs) I didn't, I didn't, he asked me to take a picture of him and then, (laughs) and then I, and then he's like, Oh, do you want one? And I was just kind of like, uh, sure. Like I didn't really want one, but I was just like, yeah, whatever. And so (laughs) he like, (laughs) it's so bad. You can like zoom in and see like all the, you can literally see particle or uh, drops of sweat like on my skin, like on my arms and on my face. Like it's so bad. Mm-hmm. And obviously when you sweat a lot, that's when the chafing is going to be the worst. So yep. it would anytime I would stop, it would kind of dry up just enough that like my shorts would just be like kind of like crusty and like so gross. But and, and, and just like all the salt for my sweat. And so I did. I tried a couple things. I I wish I could have like put some sort of like tape on my because it was like my inner thighs that were getting it the worst, yep. and I couldn't do that just because I was so sweaty. Like it just wouldn't stick. Like it would just come off. So I tried um, Vaseline. That was like the best thing I could come up with, and it sucked because I would have to stop like every couple hours and like reapply it. But that kind of worked. Um, I think if I had hiked in some pants. And maybe some underwear because I, I would just use the uh, the running shorts mm-hmm. with a, a liner. Yeah, that might have helped a little bit, but I also didn't want to be wearing pants when it was that hot either. So, you know, I'm honestly I'm not really I'm not really sure. I'm hoping that I'll never sweat that much again in my life. <laughs> Certainly, good luck. At least, at least maybe maybe it'll happen if I do another through hike. But I yeah, you know, hopefully my next one will be out on the West Coast where the humidity isn't as bad. So we'll see. That True. was that was awful. I, I wish I had like a, a solution to the chafing, but I really don't. Honestly, if anybody else does, please let me know. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever tried like body glide or anything like that? Yeah. So the Vaseline was like kind of similar to that. I think. I mean, it was just like to yeah. add a little bit of a just to, to lessen the friction. I guess. Um. I yep. think honestly, another thing I I probably should have done now that I, I just kind of thought of this is maybe just washing my shorts and washing that area of my body more often just to mm-hmm. get that like grime and that salt and that um, abrasive stuff out of there. I think yeah. that might've helped a little bit as well. So maybe that's something I'll try to do in the future. <laughs> Note to self. Yes. Yes. We are getting kind of to the end of uh, the 90 minutes or, or in that approximate time. Is there anything that you feel like we haven't talked about or, and that we should? Oh man, um, <laughs> the pressure's on you now. I know, right? Uh, we definitely covered quite a bit of it. Um, can I plug my podcast a little bit? Yes, so I, I guess I did kind of talk about it at the beginning. You um, did well, and then that's sort of part of the secondary piece of this, is, which is going to be where can people find yeah, you? And have yeah, questions oh, for yeah. you. So, oh yeah, oh yeah, that's what I figured. That's what I figured. Um, sure. Um, so if anybody wants to go listen to my podcast, that would be awesome. Like I said before, I've had a number of my listeners say it's very, very similar to hiking through. So I hope you yeah, could it enjoy it. If you've made it this far listening to me ramble, then maybe enjoy <laughs> it. if, if you, if you wouldn't like it, you probably would have, you know, left the episode already. So, um, you can go, like I said, at the beginning, it's on all the podcast platforms. If you just search trail tales on Instagram at trail tales pod, 
Uh, I have Facebook and Twitter. I don't use them as much as I probably should, but I'm there. If you're, if you really want to like extra effort there, you can go look them up. Uh, Instagram is like my biggest thing. So go check that out. I would really, really appreciate that. Show notes and links for Kyle's gear can be found on our website at hiking-through.com. Special thanks to Kyle for sharing his stories from the trail and Maya Wynn for the use of the song, Try Again. If you have through hiking adventures to share, we'd love to hear them. Please email me at hikingthroughpodcast at gmail.com or you can also DM me on Instagram at hikingthroughpodcast. We would also love it if you could find us on your favorite podcast provider, and leave a review. I'll see you on the trail. Find my way. Woo-hoo.